The FT. The complexity of the U.S. tax system is an emotive issue for anyone who has confronted a 1040 and the myriad of other forms that constitute one's tax returns.、Uh, trying to figure out how to file your taxes is one of the most frustrating and has become increasingly frustrating over my lifetime. It used to be pretty easy to do your taxes. Now, when I have my taxes done for the U.S., I now have, I think, an 80-page return. It makes no sense to me. That was my colleague Christine Spolar talking about her experience filing U.S. tax returns over the years. I'm Lisa Pollock, head of new projects and columnist at the FT. What is the tax code like, and how do Americans experience it? In the 2010 tax year, 59% of filers—that's over 81 million people—paid to have their tax returns done for them. The complexity of the U.S. tax system is also likely to feature in the race for party nominations for the U.S. presidency over the coming year. But are U.S. taxes really all that complex? Here to discuss this with me is U.S. tax historian Joseph Thorndike. He's the director of the Tax History Project, an adjunct professor of law at Northwestern University. Hi, Joe. One major source of complexity in the tax system is all the various credits, deductions, and these so-called phase-outs of those credits and deductions. What is all of that about? Well, you know, a lot of these things that make the tax system complicated are, as as you say, these like sort of special provisions, and usually they're designed to fine tune the tax system in some way.、Um, often to fine tune it for the purposes of fairness. You know, so for instance, the deduction for medical expenses or extraordinary medical expenses is a source of some complexity, but most people also think that it's only fair that people who have you know huge medical bills are able to deduct that instead of being taxed on what they'd paid for that. So there there are a myriad of things that are like that. They they're trying to do good things for the world, trying to do good things for the taxpayer, but they make things complicated. Um, you mentioned phaseouts. Those are another good example, and these are provisions that reduce the value of a tax preference as、uh, income rises. And those are intended to deny benefits to people at the upper end. You know, make a lot of money because who wants to give benefits to people who don't need it? It might make the system more fair, but it comes at a real price in complexity. I think you touched on it just at the end there, and this is admittedly partly on a personal note as someone who prepares her own tax returns by hand, but. Why do we have an alternative minimum tax calculation? That thing is just—it's、uh, so complicated. But for our listeners who might not be from the U.S. or experience this, what is the alternative minimum tax, and what was the the purpose of that? Well, you know, it, it dates back in one form or another to、uh, the late 1960s when a U.S. Treasury Secretary is telling Congress that 155 people who made a lot of money—it was、uh, $200,000 at the time—but that's roughly about a million dollars now. Didn't pay any taxes in 1967, and that really outraged people. You know, just the thought that legally they had managed to avoid paying any taxes. So Congress created this new tax that would make sure that everyone paid at least something. It's a tax designed to make sure that no one escapes using legal avoidance techniques. Now the problem is, is that over the years, it sort of ceased to be just a burden for the the rich people and became a burden for the middle class, partly because they didn't index it for inflation for a long time, and and increasingly it was people with large families who were getting hit because this tax in particular doesn't give you exemptions、uh, for for your children. Or people who lived in high tax states、uh, were, were paying a lot, so it really kind of missed the mark after a while, and instead just made life complicated for people. So it's easy to understand why so many Americans either use software or tax preparation services, just because everything gets so confusing. 
But do you think it's a problem that so many people have become detached from the mechanics of taxes? Well, I, I guess my answer to that is yes and no. I, I wrote a piece a long time ago now. Um, it was called Hurts So Good. And my argument was that uh, it, it's, it, there's a certain value in having a, a difficult tax filing process that requires everyone to sit down and fill out forms by hand. Um, and, and I still believe that because I think that it discourages Congress, uh, you know, lawmakers from adopting provisions which are, are going to be difficult to administer. And when you don't have that, when people have this sort of magic uh, software that'll do the, all the calculations for them, Congress is, you know, not, they don't have that disincentive to avoid complexity. So that being said, I, I do think it's also possible that software can still connect us with our tax paying, you know, with our responsibilities. I like this idea of of having a, a, a sort of a shared ritual in a nation where everyone does the same thing and they all get together and they pay their taxes together on this single day. I, I think that kind of civic ritual is important. I do think you can still get it with software, but it's, it's mediated in a way that it didn't used to be. And there's some cost to that. The civil ritual, does it, does it need to be so painful? Say for myself, well, I, I wouldn't mind uh, bonding over something a little bit less frustrating. Well, well as you said, you're, you're one of the few who actually you know, files uh, using pen and paper. Most people, the vast majority of people, really do use software or pay someone else to do it. I, I don't think it has to be uh, you know, filled out by hand to be valuable. You know, there's a way for software, and software already does it, where at the sort of the end of the day, you've typed in all your information, and it spits something out and says, well, here's what you owe. And sometimes it'll even say, here's what other people owe, and here's what you owed last year. And it gives you a little context. I think we need to build on that. You know, we need to build on that moment, because I think that what we're after here is we want people to connect the cost of government with the benefits of government. And this one moment, this tax filing moment, can provide that moment of connection. I think we really want to preserve that in some fashion. So I'm not a huge fan of, say, return-free systems where people never have to do this, where tax is automatically withheld and they never see a return. I like the moment when everyone sits down and says, gee, did, did I get what I wanted out of this or am I paying more than I want? I think that's really important. So what do you think can be done to preserve some of the, the ritual, but also to make this link a little bit clearer between the well, tax you know, we, liability we, you have and, and what you've earned over the year? I mean, I, I think actually what we're doing is we end up relying on the uh, software uh, manufacturers <laughs> to do this for us for, uh, increasingly. And I'm okay with that, although to my mind, I think that government should be providing its own software for tax filing. It seems to me like an inherent uh, responsibility of government is that we shouldn't have to go out and buy something to make it possible to live up to our civic obligations. But that's a separate issue. I just think that the software needs to be designed in such a way to encourage that moment of reflection. Some elements of the tax system are just not conducive to that. Things like the AMT, and especially when it's done you know, through a software package, it's like a black box. You know, it's just like you type in all this information and it spits out your tax liability and how they got there, you know, is, is unknown to all of us. I, I do think that that's really dangerous. It encourages people to, to be suspicious about whether the system actually works, uh, whether it's actually fair. There's a, a law professor at Duke, uh, Larry Zelenak, and he said once, uh, taxation without comprehension is as inimical to democracy as taxation without representation, which I think is a good point, right? And that's what we're trying to avoid, that, that black box, that incomprehension. I think the software needs to try to lay it out as, as well as it possibly can. Hey, you did this, and this had this kind of tax ramification. That's a tall order for software that's already doing a lot, but I think it's important. So what is it about the U.S. that has led to this system that doesn't seem to be replicated to this extent elsewhere? 
Well, you know, Americans are really pretty weird uh, on this subject because um, I think we we clearly have a predisposition to complain about taxes, and uh, certainly any of your listeners in the UK can appreciate that since, you know, to some extent, the American Revolution really is about uh, taxes. Uh, there is a strain of small government sort of libertarianism in American political culture, and I think that uh, it's not dominant, but it's broadly resonant, and, and tax doesn't sit well with that. I also think that because Americans rely so heavily on the income tax and we don't have any sort of broad-based national consumption taxes like a VAT, that creates problems as well because the income tax is particularly complicated, particularly invasive and intrusive. People have been complaining about that for centuries. Um, you know, the VAT is by no means a panacea, but at least for the individual taxpayer, it's a lot more seamless uh, than the income tax really is. So I, I think it's that combination of things. We are sort of uh, a, a country suspicious of government, and at the same time, we've chosen a particular form of taxation, which is the most burdensome that we could possibly find. <laughs> as, a, as a U.S. tax historian, is there anything that you've investigated where you thought, hey, it's really cool that we did that? <laughs> you know, it's hard to find hard to find upbeat things to say about tax. Uh, is it is it enough to really say like it could be worse? <laughs> um, I I think that. I think that is actually my answer. You know, I think that uh, for the most part, the, the IRS does a pretty good job doing a very hard job. It collects a lot of money. It keeps the wheels turning. It could do it a lot better. There are all sorts of problems. But in general, you know, the U.S. Uh, does a pretty good job in collecting uh, taxes that it levies. Um, I think also, though, and this is maybe what I think is the kind of coolest thing, it's that Americans, individual Americans, do a pretty good job of paying their taxes, even while they're complaining about it. Because we're a country that famously hates taxes, but we pay them with impressive regularity and and as these things go, remarkably little complaint. There was a time in 1953, as to bring in my little history point, uh, when the Supreme Court Justice Robert Jackson, um, who used to work for the IRS before he was on the Supreme Court, he said, the U.S. has a system of taxation by confession. And he thought it worked pretty well. He says, you know, there are, are we're people so numerous, scattered and individualistic. And yet uh, we report all this information to the government and, and we do it with amazing capability over time. And he said, you know, what surprises me is that it isn't a whole lot worse. I think that's, that's the good news is that for an anti-tax people, we're very good taxpayers. <laughs> I like to think I'm, I'm pretty good, but I'm going to complain along the way, exactly. um, which, which also sounds traditional. So that's fine. Um, Joseph Thorndike, tax historian, thank you for joining me. That was my pleasure. To read more about this topic, go to ft.com forward slash U.S. taxes, all one word. This will take you to my column in which I argue that all Americans with a bachelor's degree and above average income should have to file their U.S. taxes by hand at least once. No software, no preparation services. And my colleague, company's editor, Brooke Masters, I'll let her have the last word on this. I, there's actually something sort of re rewarding about filling it all out. Yeah. Having it, you could make it go up and down by doing different things. I, you know, <laughs> I didn't find it that bad. Um, I'm a math geek, though, so maybe that's why. If you enjoyed this podcast, you might enjoy the FT's Banking Weekly. It's presented by me, Patrick Jenkins, the financial editor at the FT, and I'm joined by a team and an external guest every week. You can find this every Tuesday at ft.com slash podcasts. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. 
Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.